Welcome to Night Light. Step away from the mainstream and gather around as we enlighten the world and our realities and travel this cosmic journey we call life. Join us as we share with you and provide that beacon that can guide us all to a better way. Explore with us as we examine a metaphysical montage of spiritual insights covering everything from the mundane to the magical, UFOs to unicorns, and everything in between. This is a time of awakening, of sharing and evolving, of spreading our wings and soaring on the cosmic breath of creation. Come and join with other light-minded spirits as we weave our lights together to seek understanding, enlightenment, and with a little luck, some wisdom. This is Nightlight, a reminder that you are never alone. Nightlight, everyone. We're, tur we're turning it up to 11 tonight. We're broadcasting live from Barney's Beanery. A friend of mine just released an inspirational Christmas CD. It is entitled A Kaleidoscope Christmas, and I want to invite the mastermind, band leader, producer, singer, uh, musician, uh, to talk about it. Uh, Michael Falzerano was a longtime member of the legendary Hot Tuna and is a uh, guitarist and lyricist in the New Riders of the Purple Sage. Uh, he's also working with uh, the English Town Project. Um, Michael wrote many of the songs produced and assembled a distinguished band for this uh, phenomenal CD. And you can learn more about Michael by visiting his website, michaelfalzerano.com, and you can go to thenewriders.com. Hi, Michael. How are you? I'm good. I hope you're well. Yeah. It, it's. Well, uh, let, let me just say this, that opening segment... Uh, that was the best opening segment I've ever heard. <laughs> that was really great. And, and your words of wisdom were, were also very good. But um, I'm happy to be here with you, and uh, let's talk. Yeah, okay. Well, um, you know, the Nightlight Part 2 show is uh, you know, kind of a history-themed show. Um, so, you know, for the few listeners who may not know who the aforesaid mentioned bands are, uh, maybe you could tell us a little bit about the, uh, founding of them, who, who was in them, you know, uh, you know, a little bit of the history, uh, behind them, where you fit into, uh, you know, their over 50 year career. Right. 
Well, you know, um, let's just start with hot tuna for the moment. Um, because for me, although I had a, a career uh, or I was making a living before I joined up with hot tuna, hot tuna was a very influential band out of San Francisco. Uh, Yomer and Jack, Yomer Calcutta and Jack Cassidy, uh, they were in the deepest airplane, probably one of, if not the top of the food chain uh, in the 60s of, you know, radio music, you know. Uh, obviously, the Grateful Dead were a different thing. They were doing the jam band thing. But, the, but in the early years, you know, Jefferson Airplane, one of the first bands out of San Francisco, if not the first band out of San Francisco, to get a record deal. Um, and I think, you know, Yoma and Jack uh, stayed with the band for probably about seven years, I think. And then they split off onto the, to do their own thing in Hot Tune, a, a band that they formed uh, and became, you know, pretty successful. And they've had an over 50-year career doing that, you know. Um, and then somewhere, you know, in the late 70s, um, they had, uh, you know, it sort of ran, ran its course for a while. And they took a hiatus from like 1970 to 1983. In 1983, um, Yorma and Jack decided to get put the band back together, so to speak. And um, to make a long story short, they asked me to join, and I did. And we did a couple of successful tours in 83 and 84. I mean, we played gigantic places like, you know, the, we sold out the National Coliseum, the Philadelphia Spectrum, and all these big, giant places. Um, and then for a couple of years, they went back to doing what Hot Tuna started out doing, which is an acoustic duo, Yoma Calkin and Jack Cassidy. And then again, sometime, you know, in the late 80s, uh, they decided to put a, a, a band back together and I got back together with them uh, in 1989 or 90 and played with them until about 2003. And we toured all over the world. I mean, they're very popular. They were very popular. They're still very popular. Uh, Yoma Calkin has his uh, guitar uh, camp. It's called the Per Peace Ranch Guitar Camp in Pomeroy, Ohio. Uh, Jack teaches there. I used to teach there all the time until I got into new riders, and then the schedules didn't work out. Um, so, you know, Hatuna, you know, they've had this 50-year career. I've been a, uh, a part of it for a chunk of it. Uh, I uh, I loved every minute I spent with them. We're still very close. So when I called them up, uh, I called up Yorma, Jack, and Pete Sears, who later became a member of Hot Tuna, um, mm-hmm. and asked them if they'd be interested in playing on my Christmas CD. Uh, they it was, it was without hesitation. They just said yes, you know. And in fact, you know, all the people on the CD. It's why I called it Michael Falzerano and Extended Family, is because all the people on the CD are like family to me. I've been making music with, with these people, you know, Yorman Jack for over 40 years, Pete Sears for over 30 years, all the rest of the guys, you know, Tom Sikostic, Cliff Black, Dave Diamond, Jeff Matson, guys from the Zen Tricksters, Rob Wolfson, and all these, everybody on the CD. For the most part, I've known those guys for 25 years, you know. So, um, you know, it's, you know, it, it was a very easy project to put together, because, like I said, I just, it's never a question when I, because I've done a lot of projects for a lot of people and with a lot of people over the years. And when 
I'm doing a recording project, I usually call the guys I want to play with on a particular project up, project up, and they just, you know, they they just say, yeah, where, when, how. It's never a question like music business stuff, like can I see the contract or how much am I getting paid or when am I going to get paid? None of that, you know. It's just yeah, sure, send me the tapes or let, when do I need to be there? What studio are we going to? And um, you know, I, I've built my whole career that way. And it's it's worked out quite well for me. And then, you know, to give you a little bit more background and history before we get into where we are now, um, sometime in like 2003, I think it was, um, Hot Tuna, Yomer and Jack decided to go back to doing a acoustic duo thing. And so they put the whole, full band on, on hiatus. And I, I worked around the New York City tri-state area for a while. And then I hooked up with Professor Louis Nicromatics. And we work, went on tour with Garth Hudson, the keyboard player from the band. And we had a show we did all over the country uh, and Canada uh, doing playing the music of the band. Uh, and in fact, we even went to Garth Hudson's hometown where they gave him the Lifetime Achievement Award. It was a beautiful, great thing that we we did with that. And then shortly after that, I um, got the call to ask if I wanted to be uh, in the new Rise of the Purple Sage. And of course, I said yes, because, um, you know, I love the new riders. And if we go back again before Hot Tunes, before I was in the new riders, to go further back when I was growing up on Long Island and New York, um, all my you know, teenage, young 20 bands when I was in my young 20s, early 20s. Um, the music I played in those bands was the music of Hot Tuna, The New Riders, Quicksilver. They were all San Francisco bands, The Grateful Dead, Commander Cody, all people that I either wound up in the band with Hot Tuna and The New Riders and or have either met and or played extensively with over the years, like all the members of the band, you know, Commander Cody, played with him a bunch of times. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it's been a bit of an interesting journey. Uh, it's not over. <laughs> you know, still doing it. And, um, you know, that's what led me to down this path where I am now. And I just felt, you know, putting out a Christmas CD and getting it out right now would be a really um, uh, important, not important, but helpful thing because it's such a talk time and in my opinion this is such a, a joyful album of musicians and, and music and songs um, that I thought it would be a good idea so that's what I did yeah and Michael it's a Christmas CD you know mm-hmm. get uh, yes it's Christmas time again and Jingle Bells Jingle Jam, okay, uh, so, some traditional uh, uh, Christmas songs. Uh, really, a, a lot of the songs are as relevant on the July 4th weekend as Christmas. Uh, it, it, it's really a lot of inspirational songs for anyone at any time of the year. Yeah. You know, look, um, whenever, well, not whenever, because I, I have some other CDs that aren't quite that inspirational, 
But on this particular one, you know, I wrote all the songs, and the only traditional song, Christmas song, is the Jingle Bells part of the Jingle Bells Jingle Jam. Um, mm-hmm. Everything else I wrote, and everything else um, musically, let's take the lyrics away for a minute. If, if we just talking about music, it could be if I change the music, the lyrics, or any other kind of lyrics, you would people would still identify this with me because it sounds like what I do. Now, um, these particular songs, the Christmas songs, Yes, It's Christmas Time Again, Ho, 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 those songs are more traditional sounding. And I wrote them, right. they're more traditional sounding. The Tree Nobody Wanted, more traditional sounding Christmas song. Where some of the other ones aren't quite as traditional. But, um, I, you know, I just wanted to put a collection of songs together that might bring some joy to people. Now, years ago, Jorn McAlkin and I did another Christmas CD. Uh, um, it was called the Jorn and Christmas, and I'd written some songs for that, and he and I wrote a bunch of songs, and, and he, myself, and his wife, Vanessa Calkinen, we wrote a, a hit from that record, which is called The Christmas Rule. And the general plan at one point was for us to maybe do a, a follow-up. But, you know, his crazy schedule, my crazy schedule, it never happened, so... You know, I just decided to push forward on this one, and then, you know, Jack and all the, people, and all the guys from Hot Tuna and, and uh, all the guys from the Zen Tricksters, uh, they all said that they would come on board to play. And, you know, it just came together, you know. There wasn't um, a lot of uh, wringing of hands or, or pulling people along. Everybody came right away, you know. Um, and, you know, I'm very pleased with the turn with how it's turned out. I'm very pleased with all the reviews it's gotten. I'm very pleased with how quickly. I mean, it was, it was before it even came out. I was completely sold out of first pressing, um, just by putting a small little blurb on my Facebook page saying, "If you want to buy this from me, you can PayPal me at this email address." and I would send you a copy. And I sold out of the first pressing in 10 days, and uh, I'm into my second pressing now. So, you know, it's it's very enlightening. I'm happy about it. I'm happy that everybody that purchased it and every, every, all the reviewers that have reviewed it really loved it. Um, you know, um, even Rolling Stone's going to review it, and they loved it. So, you know, uh, I, I can't ask for anything more than that. And... You know, for me personally, I'm I'm hoping and I'm happy. Uh, I'm hoping that it uh, gives some people some joy and happiness, and I'm happy that for the people who have told me that it does, that, that it's doing its job. You know? Oh, it, it's a wonderful CD, and, and you know we'll uh, be talking about uh, uh, some. Uh, Many of the songs here here in a minute, but you know, did um, it did did you grow up in a, a religious house? It was you know, Christmas a uh, you know big part of you know when you were little. Well, you know, um, religious. You know, I guess to some extent I could say yes. I mean, I was an altar boy. You know, uh, I, uh, I'm an Italian Catholic, and my my parents, my grandparents, and everybody 
um, we were, you know, we went to church every Sunday. Easter, we went to church. You know, uh, you know, um, and um, you know, Christmas was a big deal because when um, my my mother and her sister were twins, and throughout their entire life, with the exception of maybe a three-year period, they never lived more than um, two blocks away from each other. So whenever Christmas would come around, they had a big family, six kids. We had three. And then all of you know, my grandparents' kids, my mother's brothers and sisters, they all lived close by. So Christmas was a huge event. I mean, you know, there could be 20 kids in a house for Christmas Eve, you know. So, yeah, it was important. It was um, very a very happy time, uh, you know, and um, – you know, it's. I guess it's just sort of stuck with me in the back of my mind. Um, and, and as far as you know, the religion aspect of it, you know, growing up Catholic, um, like I said, you know, I went to church, you know, just every Sunday until I was a little older. And of course, then you get sidetracked in you know being a, a teenager and a twenty-something-year-old guy, and then a thirty-something-year-old guy, and then. Life takes you down the many paths that it takes you. But in the back of my mind, uh, or in, in, in the back of my soul, you know, yes, I am still, um, I mean, I still consider myself a Catholic. Do I go to church all the time? No. Uh, and do I consider myself spiritual? Yes. Um, you know, uh, before this album, two albums back, I did an album called We Are All One. And essentially, mm-hmm. the theme of that album and the theme of well, not the album, but a theme of that song was that, you know, we're all one. No matter what religion you're in, no matter what color you are, no matter what ethnicity, no matter what country you came to, no matter what language you speak, we're all one. We're on the same planet. We're all equal. We should just try and get along. Uh, that was the theme of that particular song. And that's been, in, you know, it's part of the theme of what I've done throughout my career. I think. Um, you know, my friend, you know, the swirly twirly girl, uh, really <laughs> enjoys your we. We are all one. It's really a lot of this same people on. Yeah. Uh, but both CDs, and if you get Professor Louie or Melvin Seals on right. some of the songs, I. Yeah, you're you're gonna get a lot of that uh, church feel too. I yeah, yeah. there's some of the best keyboard players out there. Right. Yeah. I, look, I, I've been you know blessed seriously in that you know, and it has you know something to do with destiny and fate and the cosmic channeling of of where things move and how things move in the universe. But I've been very blessed with being able to play and having the opportunity to play with some of the, some of the greatest musicians around, you know, I mean, you know, all the keyboard players on the Christmas album, a kaleidoscope of Christmas, you know, all the keyboard players, Professor Louie, uh, um, Scott Guberman, Wayne Schaller, uh, Jason Crosby. I mean, these guys are monster players. All the guitar players, the same thing, you know, Jeff Matson, mm-hmm. McAlkinen. I mean, you know, I can go down the list, uh, Tom Sacoster, Rob Wilson. These are these guys are really great players and bass players. Forget this. Only two play, bass players on this 
on this CD. They're two of my favorite bass players, Jack Cassidy, of course, from Hot Tuna, and Cliff Black. Now, Cliff Black's a, a New York guy, Long Island guy. He uh, played in his end tricksters and uh, he's played with the, a bunch of people over the years. And, you know, they're my go-to guys, you know. Uh, if I, you know, and if they're available, that's who I play with, you know. Yeah, well, uh, if you can call, you know, Jack and ask him to be on your CD, I, you know, just, you know, Jimi Hendrix did that uh, yeah. to him for uh, Electric Ladyland. I, I mean, yeah. you know, you're, you're getting the best. Right, right, right. Yeah. Well, like I, I, I kiddingly, but not by much, say, always tell people, <laughs> how do you get all these people to play on your record? I tell them I like to start at the top of the food chain, you know, and um, almost always everybody says, yeah, sure. You know, I'll, where do I got to be? You know, so it works out, you know, and, uh, you know, I, I don't know why. I don't know how. Like if, when I was a kid and I was younger, I'm 16, I'm 20, I'm 18, and I'm playing in bands in and around the tri-state area, you know, um, and I'm playing the music of Hot Tuna and Jerry Garcia and Grateful Dead and Quicksilver and the new Rise of the Purple Sage and Commander Cody and all the blues guys that I love. You know, if somebody would have said to me, Ben, listen, you know, you're going to wind up playing with all those people. All those blues guys you love, you don't want to play with them. Commander Cody, sure, you're going to play with him. Yeah, no, you're gonna you're gonna be in Hot Tuna for twenty years, and then you're gonna be in the new lives of the Purple Sage for fifteen years. I, I would have thought that person was out of their mind, you know. But I think that fate, because um, I'm a big believer in fate and destiny. Um, although I do think you have to manifest that destiny to some degree, um, I think it just played a big hand in it. You know, I mean, there. This, the channel or the road or the path that you have to go on, that I had to go on, to be on stage for the first show with Hot Tuna, that little path right there, forget about what happened after it, but just to get to that, that was a very jagged road. It, it went off on, it's never a straight path. That's the one thing I've learned in life, that uh, yeah. whatever you're, what you think is going to happen, it's probably not going to happen. What you, the path you think you're going to go down and you think it's a straight road right there, that's probably not going to happen, you know. So, but it did, you know, and, um, you know, there's not, not I, there's no explanation um, that I could come up with really that um, would satisfy me um, to go, well, this is why it happened because this, 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 and this. I could tell you why this happened, because this, this, and this, but why did those particular things happen in that order, and why did it, you know, not go off in another direction, you know? Why did I, why did I make that right turn when I could have made a left turn, or I could have gone straight, <laughs> you know? So, you know, it's, it's, it's an interesting thing, you know, life. <laughs> yeah, it, it, you know, what you're saying about all the, you know, uh, Twists and turns in life. Yeah, you know, if you look at all that was uh, going on at the you know NFL stadiums that were sold out forty years ago, and 
you know, got all kinds of uh, excess going on all over the place. But, you know, today, you know, the same, you know, bands are playing at smaller venues to, you know, loyal audience. And but but you know the uh, you know, the original fans are bringing you know, like the grandkids, uh, uh, you know to to see you, but you know the messages are ha- have changed so much. It, 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 does it seem like there's a trend with uh, these older bands to be um, give more of their experience to help help uh get people on the right road well you know i don't know about that but i do know this that most of the bands most of the bands that are out there playing from back in the day they're just doing what they do you know and Mm -hmm. some of them were more successful than others and some were gigantically successful but i think that the interest from younger people um, and younger people that, you know, come to see me, younger people that buy my CDs and stuff, or, or went to see Hot Tuna, the new writers, with, with, they're just, they're just uh, curious about um, the music and how it was. And, and they pretty much know that, you know, there's no bull involved. It's just these guys doing what they do. You know, um, like when you go see Hot Tuna now or when the Hot Tuna's, you know, Hot Tuna is, I'm not Hot Tuna, the new writers uh, of the Purple Sage are on hiatus right now. But when we're out playing, it's, we're just musicians playing the music that we played exactly the way we played it the whole, our whole careers. You know, for instance, I was saying earlier about this CD, musically, it's exactly what I do on, on all my CDs. I mean, lyrically, it's about Christmas on this one. Uh, or, or holidays, or you know, like it's a God Almighty world. It speaks for itself. But um, you know, uh, musically, it's just what I do. And if you like that kind of a thing, whether you're 18 or 68, um, you know, you're going to dig it. And I think with with younger people, um, I think that they're interested and curious about us older guys and what we've done and where we've been and who we've played with and all that for that reason, you know, um, that we've tried to stay somewhere authentic, you know, and just do what we do. I mean, you know, older guys who try to accommodate or, you know, bend or do what they try and turn their thing, whatever they used to do into some new modern thing, that almost never works. You just got to do what you do. And if people continue to like it, they'll come out to see you. And you'll continue to to play and make music, and you know, um, and, and that's it. And that, and that's it. Even if they don't, you're still going to probably play music because that's what you do. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's what I do. Yeah. Okay. And Mike, what? Maybe you take take a look at you know a song like uh, the tree nobody wanted. I really yep. liked uh, that one. Is, is, is that kind of like a autobiographical song, or it, 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 it gives you like the you know warm feeling of you know just the 
a humble family uh, is very rich in love. Right. Well, I'll tell you what. You know, a lot of people have asked me about the song, and it seems to be the one song, not the one song, but the song on the record that everybody loves. And Mm -hmm. it's uh, quite a a unique song for me, and I love it the most of all the songs on the record for this reason. It's one of those songs that one minute didn't exist, and then 10 minutes later existed. I recorded it, and now it's on the record. I was... You know, the record had already been the whole Christmas album, A Kaleidoscope Christmas, Michael Falzerano and the Extended Family, was fully recorded and uh, had the 11 songs that were going to be on the record. And that was that. And I wasn't thinking about doing any more songs. But I was um, um, driving back to New York City. Actually, my wife was driving back to New York City. I was in the passenger seat, and I dozed off for a while. And just as I woke up, this thought came into my head of the tree nobody wanted. And I thought, well, that's an unusual thing. What, where'd that come from? And then as I was, she was driving, I was just sitting there quietly. And I was rolling it around in my head. And then the whole lyric just began to write itself. And, I, and, and you know, the story, I just told the story about this, this family, you know, who, you know, all they could afford was this tree that nobody wanted. And um, so it was all in my head. I got home 20 minutes later. I jotted it all down, picked up the guitar, wrote the chord changes, wrote the melody, and called up the engineer, went in the studio, got the guys together, went in the studio the next day, and cut the track. Uh, And now it's on the album. So to me, it's got a special place in my heart because, you know, for two reasons. Number one, it's a great little sentiment. You know, it's like, you know what? You don't need to have a million dollars or a bazillion dollars to be happy. You know, some people can find that happiness in the smallest little thing, even in the tree that nobody wanted. You know, and, my, and the, the thought in my mind was, you know, this family going, who have no money, they go past this, you know, Christmas tree stand where they're selling trees forever, how much they're selling them for at the time. And they can't afford anyone, but, you know, everybody's passing by this, you know, this ratty old tree, and it's the tree nobody wanted. And they take it home and they decorate this tree and they turn it into this beautiful thing and it brings joy and happiness to the family. And, um, you know, uh, for that reason, it, it holds a special place in my heart. And, uh, and apparently it struck a nerve with a lot of people because a lot of people love the tune. You know? And I'm glad it came to me. I, again, I'm going to go with fate, destiny, or some kind of cosmic thing that just, you know, dropped it in my lap. You know, when I'm kind of how I songwrite anyway, you know, it's never like I sit down to write a song about the tree nobody wanted, but sometimes something happens or sometimes some thought gets in my head. And the next thing you know, I've got a song called the tree nobody wanted, you know, and many of the songs on this record came to me like that. Yes. It's Christmas time again. Ho, ho, ho. These are songs that just like came to me, you know, um, I didn't sit down and labor over them, you know, um, they came to me and I put them down and I recorded them and, and it's very fulfilling when you actually hold it in your hand when everything is said and done and you go like, wow, you know, it's, it, it's come full circle. And I do think there's some, some cosmic and, or, you know, the uh, fate destiny kind of thing that happens to make that happen. Yeah. 
You and the extended family did a masterful job with the uh, eulogy, elegy, requiem for uh, Buddy entitled Psychedelic Cowboy Christmas. Um, Yeah. To to be honest, you know, when I first heard it, still, you know, the four or five days or so, you know, I've had uh, the CD. Every time I hear the song, and it's like, you know, you get a uh, lump in your throat type thing, and uh, you know, you're happy that, hey, uh, I know the guy that this, you know, song was about. the slide guitar on it is about as close to Buddy's sound without him playing it. Uh, it, 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 it one of the songs where it's like every emotion at, at once coming at you. Uh, can, can you explain a, a, what you ha- have going on with Psychedelic Cowboy Christmas? Yeah, well, here's the tale of that song. Um, uh, and it's kind of the same thing as uh, The Tree Nobody Wanted. But with Psychedelic Cowboy Christmas, I was on the road several years back with the new rise of the Purple Sage. We were in Northern California. And um, we were out to breakfast one morning. It was me, Buddy Cage, David Nelson. I think the other guys from the new riders were there. Um, Captain Tosh, our road manager, was there. And my guitar tech at the time, Delacy Alt, was also there at breakfast. And we were talking about, you know, just the general stuff. But then we got on the subject of, you know, the new Riders of Purple Sage, what we've done, where we're going, what we should do. Um, we had already put out two studio albums, a live album. We put out a DVD. We put out uh, some radio uh, edit songs. So we, we'd done a bunch of stuff at that point. And, you know, we were talking about what we're going to do next. And I suggested, and I said, you know, Yorma and I, uh, a few years back, did this uh, Christmas album. It was a lot of fun to do. Doesn't have to, we could write all new Christmas songs. We don't have to do traditional Christmas songs, uh, which is what we did on the, on the Yorma Kalkinen record. And, um, you know, and, and, your, and um, Buddy and David were very much into the concept and the idea. Oh, yeah, 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 you know. And then DeLacy Alt, um, she said, oh, that's such a great idea. You could call the album A Psychedelic Cowboy Christmas. Now, hmm. for New Rise of the Purple Sage uh, record, that would have been a great title for the album. Um, but, of course, that never happened because Buddy got sick, David got sick, and, and then Buddy eventually passed away unfortunately but you know in the back of my mind i thought to myself i love i really like that title and you know without thinking about it really it started to formulate in my head and so i wrote out um uh i started writing the song and i had an arrangement and lyric uh for the tune i i knew there was something there wasn't really crazy about it because sometimes you gotta you gotta juggle it around a little bit it's like a jigsaw puzzle you got to put the right pieces in the right places and so i juggled around juggled around and then i landed where i landed now and i'm really extremely happy with how it turned out um you know i it's the core band which was me 
Tom Sacosta, Dave Diamond, and Cliff Black, all from the Zen Tricksters. Um, Jeff Matson came in and overdubbed uh, the lead guitar. He's from also from the Zen Tricksters, but he's the main guitar player in um, Dark Star Orchestra. Then Kerry Carney, who came in and played all the slide guitar stuff, he's a, a master slide guitar player from New York. He's you know in the blues world he's you know he's big he's on all the blues charts whenever he puts a CD out and then um, you know Jason Crosby came in and played Hammond organ and um, no he played piano and then uh, my good friend Scott Guverman uh, came in and he did the Hammond organ stuff and the song was really happening and then I brought in. Claire Maloney and um, uh, Nate DeBrine to sing the background parts. And Claire also, who is, um, she's a singer in uh, the uh, English Town Project, but she's also a classically trained singer. She sings opera and stuff. So she did all that operatic stuff at, at the end in the jam. That's her doing all that. And I yeah. think she did a masterful job. Um and, you know, the song just sort of worked. And it, it is long. It's nine minutes long. Um, and for a minute, I thought, well, maybe I'll edit it down and make it radio friendly. But then I figured, why, you know, uh, let me just leave it the way it is. I love it the way it is. I'm not going to make a radio edit. I'm just going to leave it how it is, you know. And and it worked out. And, and I really sort of, it's, again, I mean, I don't have a, a non-favorite song on the record. They're all my favorite songs. To say, to, mm-hmm. to so, so to speak, um, you know, like I'm, like, I could go in de- into depth about every single song in the record, but um, I, I love that one number one because it, of the story that goes behind it, and because Buddy was a part of the original conversation, and that's why I, it's in memory of him. You know. Yeah. Um, I think if I didn't have that one. 20 minute uh, phone call with him not not a 420 phone call it was a 120 minute phone <laughs> call understand. with with him I don't uh, 10 years ago about uh, this radio uh, show idea I it was kind of helping him out with uh, or get, getting him connected with uh, yeah I you know probably would have never gotten in front of the uh, microphone and, you know, had um, this chance to work with uh, Barbara and, and the nightlight. But, uh, yeah, it's, you know, he, you know, really get, gave me a 20-minute uh, e- education you know, there's no need to go to college for you know f- four years for a communications degree. I just got it from him in 20 minutes, and right. uh, here I am talking to you. Uh, but it, uh, you know about this song dedicated uh, to him. It, it's yeah. r- r- really an excellent song. Thanks. Um, yeah, and for. Uh, yeah, the next song, Bethlehem Requiem for Diana. Mm-hmm. You, you, know, you basically have a lot of Jefferson uh, Airplane, like uh, a, a mini reunion. 
uh, going on yeah. there, and the the, the uh, fiddle in in that really adds a lot. So let's get into that. That's one of the major pieces of you know just a really astonishing song. Thank you. Uh, yeah, it's got another interesting story. <laughs> you know, um, uh, you know, it's called the Bethlehem Bethlehem Requiem for Diana, and the Diana in question here is Diana Klein, uh, Jack Cassidy's late wife. She passed away a few years back, um, and we were friends. We we spent a little time on the road together when Jack and her were just getting together um, with Hot Tuna. And we toured around the country. We became friends. And, you know, uh, years later, years after she passed, I was, I had a dream. Uh, and we were in Bethlehem. In the dream, we were in Bethlehem. And me, Diana, J- uh, Jack, my wife, Yorma, we were maybe in, my, in the dream, maybe we were on tour. I don't know. But I, the only thing I took away from the, from the, from the dream was that we were in Bethlehem. And in the dream, she, we were all in some sort of like cave, sort of cavern with an amber glowing light coming out of it. And she was stepping out the doorway and I, I was helping her out of the doorway. And then we were walking away from this, from this cabin cave place. And in, in my mind, in the dream, this sort of melody was playing and sort of sound I was hearing. And, of course, like all dreams, you don't know how you get there, and then you wake up. But, you know, but I, I kept thinking about it the whole day, and I kept thinking about the, the sound of the music that was playing in the dream, and, and, and was, you know, maybe I should, you know, maybe, maybe I could play it. I, I didn't really have a, a solid concept for what it was, so I just picked up the guitar. And I started fiddling around. I played an A minor chord, and then the next thing I knew, this whole thing, this the chord structure and melody for the tune, I laid it out and I wrote it down. And so then, when it came time to do this record, uh, I played it. For, I just played it with for the guys on my guitar. I said, "Just a thing. It's going to be an instrumental," and uh, everybody just jumped right in. And uh, Jason Crosby came in and played the fiddle over the top of it. It was just amazing, you know, and as fate would have it, I mean, when I first recorded, you know, thought about it, I didn't even think to ask Jack to play. It was just going to be a song I was going to record, you know. Um, But then fate stepped in and um, allowed me to... um, you know, uh, it didn't allow me, but, you know, I needed, I needed somebody to play bass on it. We recorded the track, uh, and I played, I think I played bass just to keep the, uh, you know, it's a placeholder, so to speak. But I was going to, you know, trying to figure out who to play bass, and I was, well, you know, then it popped in my head, and, you know, I should ask Jack. Now, Jack's extremely busy, just like Yoma is, so I thought, yeah, I don't know. But then uh, it turns out, because of COVID, everybody's sitting at home doing nothing. So you know, I called him up. He, he said right away, you know, uh, right away, yes, send me the tracks. I'll play on them, you know. And originally he was going to play on one or two, and he wound up playing on five. Um, but I'm so happy that he's on this particular one because it's it's a, about and for Diana. Um, 
And, um, you know, uh, I'm really happy how it turned out. You know, having Norma, Jack, and Pete Sears on it, along with Jason Crosby, Dave Diamond, uh, and myself. And and it really has a cool vibe to it, you know. Um, And I think it's it's nice um, to have some instrumentals on, on, well, certainly on my Christmas app. Album. It's it's nice to have a couple of instrumentals. You know, uh, this this Christmas album as a you know if you look at like a Mariah Carey Christmas album, it's not that kind of Christmas album. You know, um, but I think for um, my audience, our audience, and for people of you know my generation and people who like this kind of music, I think this is a, it's a good combination of material. You know, uh, a couple of instrumentals. Uh, you know, a couple of uh, sort of traditional sounding songs, uh, mm-hmm. traditional Christmas sounding songs, and some straight up kind of rock and roll things, you know. Yeah, uh, there's uh, uh, what, uh, have a little Chuck Berry-ish intro right. to uh, 420, 1224. Look, you know, okay. that's, that's, a tongue, that's a tongue-in-cheek song, you know. I love the tune. Uh, I think it's really fun. It's fun to play. It was fun to record. It was fun to have everybody play on it. You know, and, and again, it was just a real simple thing where, you know, uh, because I'm in the new Riders of the Purple Sage and a lot of their songs are, are about, you know, you know what they're about, smoking weed and, you know, it's, it's a 60s thing. Um, uh, you know, and so we were sitting at dinner and talking about this record and my wife said, to me, you know, you think about maybe doing a, a fun 420 kind of a song, and I and it just kind of came to me, you know, in a second, a millisecond, really. I said, "Oh yeah, kind of like it's Christmas Eve and I smoke more weed than I should have, right?" And as soon as I said it, I thought, "Yeah, that's going to be a song because it's kind of catchy." And then it just kind of wrote itself, and it's a really fun little tongue-in-cheek kind of thing about this character, not me, about this character who um, smokes too much pot on Christmas Eve and can't go to the Christmas Eve party and then, you know, gets real paranoid and thinks the tree is watching him and goes outside and sees Santa and the reindeer. I mean, it's just, it's cute, you know. Um, mm-hmm. You know, and I don't think it's uh, going to offend anybody, you know. And, 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 and Michael, you, you know, you were... Uh, Earlier in the show, you mentioned that that you'd worked with uh, Garth Hudson, a keyboardist uh-huh. for uh, the band, and I was like, "Oh, uh, okay." You know, I remember you know Buddy uh, did some. I was he, he did a tour of Australia with some of the band. That's right. Is that right? That is right. He did tour um, Australia with the band and. On that tour that I spoke of earlier, um, not the whole tour, but on portions of that tour where it was Professor Louis Necromatics featuring Garth Hudson uh, revisiting the music of the band, Buddy Cage was on a lot of those shows. So, you know, oh. Buddy, and, Buddy and Garth go way back, you know. Um, okay, well, it, it, that, that put it in perspective that... Um, yeah. 
f- funky Cripple Creek uh, yeah. uh, sound for You're Still Standing. That's right. Um, well, you know, uh, Professor Louie, who produced uh, many of the uh, later uh, band records, um, and again, you know, had the band the Chromatics, and he and I went on the road with, with uh, Garth Hutch, and we played all the, you know, all the big rooms, as they like to say. You know, we played the bottom line multiple times, multiple sold-out shows there with Garth and and without Garth, but with Garth, and we toured all over the country, and we toured all over Canada. Um, and like I said earlier, we played Canada in Garth Hudson's hometown where they gave him a Lifetime Achievement Award. 10,000 people were at that outside event. It was a beautiful outdoor event. Um, you know, you know, playing with um, Garth and many of the people I've played with, like some of the old blues guys I've got to play with, it, you know, um, it's always uh, uh, an honor, you know, in my mind. You know, I got to play with um, Hubert Sumlin from Howlin' Wolf Band. I've got to play with Pine Top Perkins from Muddy Waters Band. I've played with yeah, I, I, a lot of guys, you know, um, over the years. And so, you know, um, I treat everybody with the same same respect. Um, and again, I got to say that if, when I was younger, somebody told me. As you as you go down the path, life's path, you're going to wind up playing with all these guys whose music you're now playing as a kid. Uh, I don't know what I would have thought of that. <laughs> yeah. Okay, and you know, I think with you're still standing. Of mm-hmm. uh, if you know, if we can just get to the the end of the month um yeah 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 that's the that's the gist of that song you know look yeah i written i wrote that song a while back but it was the appropriate song for this album and um uh i included it and it was always going to be the final song on this cd just as yes it's christmas time again was going to be the first song on the album now I had to, you know, I, I, I try and always sequence my CDs in such a way that if you're listening to it as a CD, as a full piece of work, that it sort of makes sense. Like, you know, a lot of CDs come out now, it's just a bunch of songs on a CD, they, you know, but I tried to make the CD flow in such a way that if you wanted to listen to it from beginning to end, it has a beginning and it has an end. And you're still standing, um, you know the 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 thought of that is uh, had to be the last song on the record, especially in 2020. You know because basically what I'm saying on the song is, look, it's been tough. It might have been really rough. Things might have not worked out like you planned. But hey, you're still standing, still alive. Let's go. F- keep pushing forward, and maybe next year will be better. You know, and that's you know more than that. I don't know what you could ask for. You know, um, because you can you can get all depressed about where you are or where, how things didn't work out, but it's not going to change anything. So you just got to kind of push forward. If you're still standing and just keep pushing forward to new year, let's move on. You know? Right. And, yeah. And, and it's a God almighty world. Uh, yep. it, yeah. It's, it's kind of like a continuation of the same 
thing. Yeah, just you know, miracles still happen. You know, you give give us a list of miracles. Yeah, they're still happening yeah. uh, today. Yeah. Uh, right. But you know, it's another you know, just a positive view of uh, you know the world, and you know, hopefully, just get into next year, and th- things are going to be a lot better. Yeah, you know, I certainly hope so. You know, um, it's hard to say whether or not what's going to happen, but, um, you know, you just got to stay positive and stay in it. You know, if, you know, you you know, that old slogan, the New York City lottery slogan, you got to be in it to win it. You know, it's true, you know, Um, and that goes for life as well. You got to, you got to be in it. You got to play the game. You know, if you're easily discouraged, you know, know, especially in the music business or, you know, for young musicians, I always tell them, look, if you're easily discouraged, get out now because it's going to be one thing after another and it may or may not work out. You know, Um, you can't gauge it by somebody else. You don't know what's going to happen. You could become a bigger star than me or you might be unknown. (laughs) You know, Um, it's hard telling. Uh, so, uh, you know, with the, you know, that's just the way, the way it works, you know. Yeah. And, you know, um, you know, wouldn't be a complete, uh, CD review without, uh, looking at the, uh, cover design. Uh, you know, it's really eye catching and, the uh, liner notes or the and we open up the CD there's all the musicians uh, listed for each track mm-hmm. it, it's really mm-hmm. well designed who, uh, who who did all the uh, artwork well the artwork the cover artwork is done by uh, my friend Kamala Towns uh, Kamala Towns is a graphic artist or an artist um, from Pennsylvania. He's um, uh, he's a really great guy, really excellent artist, and he hit the target 100% with the cover of this record. I couldn't have asked for a better cover. I mean, when I told him what I was looking for, he just went, okay, I think I understand. And he, get, and he began to give me a couple of ideas and we tweaked it a little bit. And then, it, you know, then it sort of went and it didn't go away for a while, but, you know, I didn't hear from him for a little bit. And then he came back with this image and with this cover. And it was like, it seemed to me when I, the first, from the first second I saw it, it seemed to me like something I've seen my whole life. You know what I mean? Um, and now when I look at it, it's just like something I've seen my whole life, you know? Um, so again, I don't know if it's, you know, the cosmos or, you know, fate or whatever, but it wasn't like it's, it was an odd thing that I'd never seen before. And I don't know. In the very first second I saw it, I thought this is really a beautifully unique, uh, piece of artwork and cover, you know? And all the liner notes and all that, you know, I put all those liner notes together. I always like to give people credit, you know. A lot of people put out albums, there's no credits inside. You don't know who played what, you know, who played when, um, or where it was recorded. I like to give everybody credit where credit is due. 
you know. Um, so all the musicians that played on every song, I list every song with who played what. Mm-hmm. I list all the studios we I worked in. I list all the engineers that recorded the particular people. Uh, uh, and, you know, um, my friend uh, Dan Sky, who um, uh, has Skylab recording, he um, he and I mixed the thing together, um, and he was a, a great help to making this happen. Because you know it wasn't easy doing getting this finished in the middle of a pandemic. <laughs> you know, um, it, you know it was it was a Herculean task to make that happen, and he helped me uh, considerably. I'm not sure I could have gotten it done if it weren't for him. And in the same token, the guy who started this whole pro- recording process with me, uh, Chris Laborn, um you know, he was a master at, at capturing what we were doing in the studio at the time, you know. Um, he just made it, he, he was relentless and he guided us through it. And, you know, I mean, I, I, again, let me go back to this one thought that I've been very fortunate to always work with guys who really want to be there, who really want to do it and who are totally giving themselves 100% to me at the time, you know. There's none of that, you know, music business nonsense. Uh, And I'm very fortunate because there's a lot of that music business nonsense out there. I'm fortunate to not have to deal with it or haven't been able to, haven't had to deal with it that much. Well, I... The artwork, uh, the liner notes are just, you know, very helpful. Uh, You know, the artwork, you know, you you can see the, you know, San Francisco kind of artwork from the 60s. There, yeah, it's, you know, uh, people know what they're getting, and it's, Everything about it is just terrific, and I know you know we only wanted to talk about in an hour, but yeah, you know, just we as we're kind of winding down, you know, we can keep talking for a little little while longer. Right, right, right. Yeah, but you know, is there? Any possibility that the new riders and are go- going to end the hi- hiatus and get back on the road yeah. once? Okay. Yeah. yeah uh, well, um, before COVID came to town, um, you know, we had scheduled four shows on the East Coast, four shows on the West Coast, and they were going to happen. Um, in the spring of 2020. Now, we know what happened in the spring of 2020. Um, you know, everything got postponed. So all those shows, four on the East Coast, four on the West Coast, um, you know, they all got postponed to sometime in 2021. Now, 
everything is still up in the air for 2021. Nobody knows what's going to happen. Nobody knows how long it's going to take for this COVID thing to really subside. You know, nobody knows how long it's going to take for people to get the vaccine, how many people are going to take the vaccine, you know. And so it's hard to say when, um, but if everybody stays healthy, I do believe that there will be some kind of uh, new writers, let's call it a reunion, uh, uh, in 2021, hopefully by the summer, you know, hopefully on both coasts, uh, because I know we have diehard fans on both coasts. Um, and we'll see what happens. You know, it's it, it, every, everything is just such an open book right now. Nobody really knows what's happening from day to day. You know, so you know, our shows happening, shows are not happening. You know, um, hopefully at some point, um, you know, everything will subside, and like I said, uh, we will be able to book some shows and put it together, and. Um, you know, make it happen uh, for um, for the new writers again. Now, you know, of course, you know, Buddy Cage um, has passed away, and although there's no way you can replace a guy like Buddy Cage, you know, there are some pedal steel players out there. Um, most notably, uh, uh, one of David Nelson's old friends, um, whose name I can't think of right this minute. Um, uh, but he'll probably become the pedal steel player and play the buddy uh, parts for us Um, and uh, we'll probably add uh, Mookie Siegel on keyboards and so it'll be a different kind of new Riders of the Purple Sage but it will be the new Riders of the Purple Sage Okay and Mookie's on uh, where I come from Yes, yeah. He's on a bunch of tunes on where I come from. Well, Mookie and Mookie and David and I, we've all played together for many years over the years, you know. Um, and uh, Mookie would have been on this CD too, but he was moving at the time I was recording, and one thing led to another, and it, and it didn't happen, you know. Um, but for this CD, but you know, there's no doubt in my mind that he's going to be playing with us. We used to jokingly call him. He was the sixth member of the uh, the sixth Beatle. You know, he was the sixth member of the New Rises, the Purple Sage. Because whenever we had the opportunity, even when Buddy Cage was in the band, um, uh, whenever we had the opportunity to play with Mookie, uh, he would come and play with us. You know, and we did several several uh, a bunch of shows and a tour with him. You know. Um, and hopefully we'll be able to do that again. You know, he was scheduled to play with us on the on the West Coast and on the East Coast, for that matter. You know, when you know, you're talking about writing a lot of these songs, you know, within mm-hmm. just a few minutes. I mean, it's like you know, "Smoke on the Water" was written on in what uh, five minutes. And right. you know, it became a classic. Yeah, I, I mean, yeah. I mean, I, when I say say a couple of minutes, it's not really a couple of minutes. I mean, sometimes it is. Sometimes you know, the, the whole thing, the whole idea and concept comes to the end. It's done. But most songs, you know, they, you know, when you if you just took all the downtime out, yeah, it's a couple of minutes. But sometimes it's over a long period of time. 
or, you know, sometimes you think about it. And like, for instance, uh, you know, a psychedelic cowboy Christmas, you know, I had started writing that, you know, the minute DeLacy said to me, psychedelic cowboy Christmas. Um, but, you know, it, you know, it rolled around in my brain for a while. And then I, I wrote it down. And then later we did, you know, I wrote it again. And so that was a song that developed over time. But, you know, um, some songs do come quickly, you know, uh, and Smoke on the Water is kind of one of those tunes, you know, um, and, you know, there are others that um, other musicians have, you know, told the same tale about, you know, which it's, uh, it's not unique. Um, Keith Richards talks about it all the time, you know, and, you know, he, he kind of has the same theory when you come right down to it, that songwriting that, you know, you know, he just kind of he's joking things. He puts his fingers up in the air and just waits to catch a song. You know, I know what he's talking about. You know, he's kind of like you got to let it come in. You got to let it happen. And you know, sometimes it happens when you want it to happen, and sometimes it happens when you don't want it to happen. You know, or not expecting it to happen. Not that you don't want it. Right. To happen, you know? Yeah. Yeah. It 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 is. You know, your writing style. Uh, uh, you know, were you influenced by the uh, Hunter Nelson writing team? Are, are they far more uh, different types of uh, writers than or lyricists than you? Uh, you know, I think we're all. Um, well, no. Let me just rephrase that. I can't. I don't want to put myself in the, in the same category as. Bob Dylan or Robert Hunter, any of these guys, but we all write the way we write, you know, and, you know, some people are more simplistic than others. Some people are very complex writers, you know, um, you know, and David and, and Buddy, uh, not David, um, not Buddy, I mean, uh, David Nelson and Robert Hunter wrote some songs together. I wrote a song with, with Robert Hunter, you know, he writes the lyrics, you put some music to it. You know, it's, it's when you, when you strip everything away, that's, that's it's a simple thing, you know, um, and that's what happened with the Hunter Nelson tunes. Uh, Hunter sent over some uh, sent some lyrics to David Nelson for the New Riders, and he put some music to it, and then we developed them. You know, um, uh, you know, I think everybody has their own method of writing. Some people like to go away to someplace quiet. Some people like to be in the middle of a private metropolis. You know, it's you know everybody's different. You know? Okay, and uh, you mentioned uh, uh, Claire Maloney is Claire Maloney. Uh, yeah, from uh, you know your band, the English Town Project, or uh, right. you know if you know. And the new riders get gets out on the road, you know, say in the spring. I, you know, are you and Claire's uh, going to be doing some music, like say over the summer? You know, ho- hopefully, the yeah, venues I mean, will open that, up by then. Yeah, if things open up by the summer, then um, you know we may or may not uh, do English Town Project again. Uh, Claire and I are also in another project called the Airplane Family, um, oh. and we were scheduled we were scheduled to do a bunch of shows with um, 
playing uh, the, Jeff- uh, the Paul Cantor album, Blows Against the Empire. But that all got postponed and it's been postponed and postponed and postponed. And now we're into 20, sometime in 2021. I don't know when that's going to be. But uh, yeah, so we're going to, we'll, we'll, you know, I'm fairly certain we'll be doing something. You know, we've done, we've done the English Town Project together. I mean, I love, you know, I love telling this particular story about Claire. Um, when I put English Town Project together, it was my concept and all that. And, and we wanted, in the original Grateful Dead at the time, uh, for English Town, the show is, is based on a tribute to a day, not necessarily a, a particular band. Uh, it's it's the English Town show that the Grateful Dead, the New Riders, the Purple Sage, and the Marshall Tucker Band played in English Town, New Jersey. And in the Grateful Dead at that particular point in time, Donna Jean was singing with them. So I wanted to have um, a... Uh, a you know, uh, I don't want to just go do the the, um, the Grateful Dead songs without a, a female singer. So we had uh, talked with, you know, uh, Rob Wilson, and we were going to use uh, another friend of ours, Joanne Lettiga, great singer in her own right. Um, but she got sick with some kind of like throat thing, and she, she couldn't do any of the shows, and th- so things went sideways with her. And, you know, we were um, thinking about, you know, so who should we look at? And there were a couple of names that came up. And I think that one of our friends, maybe Michael Metzka, I think, might have mentioned, you know, you should talk to Claire Maloney. She's a really good singer. And she's, you know, just starting to bubble up here in the scene. So I contacted her and I said, you know, this is what's happening. This is what we're doing. Are you interested? And she said, sure, when is one of the gigs? And I said, when the, whenever the gig was that she was going to be on, uh, she was on the first bunch and then stayed in the band. Um, but she said, yeah, no, I could do that. But the night, this is, I love this, the night before I'm going to be at Carnegie Hall singing opera. <laughs> so I can't rehearse. I go, well, you know, that's okay with me as long as you know the material, you know. But we did rehearse, you know, a couple of about a week before, so we, I, I was comfortable with that. But I love the fact that the night before she joined the English Town Project, she was singing at Carnegie Hall. <laughs> yeah, it's you know, it's just funny to me. Now, I, I, th- um, I think <clears throat> all, all your friends j- just ha- have their hands in so so many uh, creative projects and it's just uh, nice to be around you and and just all all that creativity just kind of exudes from each one of you and you know you know johnny doing the uh stir stir fried and they they had yeah, uh, a lot of you know gr- great stuff going on, and you know Vassar is on <clears throat> your. Uh, we are all one. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Vassar's uh, on the overall one. A bunch of tracks on that. He's also on my the CD that followed that. I got blues for you. He's on a couple of tracks on that that CD as well. 
Um, but Vassar was a beautiful person, a great player. And again, if you had told me when I was younger that I would get to play music and record with him and have him play on some of my songs, I would have thought you were nuts. <laughs> you know, but hey, it happened. You know. No oh, good, good for you. And uh, you know, uh, um, you know, do you, uh, do do you want to cover anything else? You know, just want to kind of wrap things up. Do you want to give? You know, uh. That's fine with me if you want to stay longer. I just, you know, we're kind of running a little over what I promised, but if you want to keep going, that's fine. I just leave it up to you. Do you, you just want to? Yeah. Uh, no, I'm good. I, I'm good. You know, uh, look, okay. I've covered a lot of ground here. You know. Um, okay. I, I do want just to let say, everyone know. You know. Yeah. Go ahead. I, I, I was just saying, you know, just let everyone know uh, where they can uh, uh, purchase. Um, yeah, a kaleidoscope Christmas or anything. Yeah, h- how to get a hold of you? Uh, it, it's a great st- stocking stuffer. <laughs> Look, I mean, you know, in the great wide world that we live in, with the World Wide Web, uh, as it used to be called, um, you could just go to my website, michaelfalzerano.com, uh, or my Michael Falzerano music page on Facebook or visit me on Instagram or Twitter or wherever. And um, you'll find links and places to find the CD. Um, you know, and what I've done from my Facebook page um, uh, is that if you wanted to purchase a copy from me directly at this point, um, you can PayPal me at pilgrims96 at AOL.com. $12 and I'll send you a, uh, um, a copy and a signed Christmas card. Um, you know, but it's all there on michaelfelserano.com. You know, all the information, just click on the kaleidoscope Christmas and you'll, um, you know, get all the information on how to purchase it. It's also up for sale on all, you know, the, the download sites, iTunes, Apple Music, um, Amazon. You can you could stream it on uh, Pandora. You can stream it on Spotify. You can stream it on Deezer, you know, on YouTube. Um, so the music is out there right now. Um, and, you know, again, if you want any information about me and or the CD or any other CDs that I um, uh, have released, you can go to michaelfalzerano.com and um, you can get all the information you need and uh, purchase a copy. And if you purchase a copy from me, um, from my website for a kaleidoscope Christmas, um, those the, that those copies I'm uh, I'm giving all the money to the United States Marines Toys for Tots program and a portion of the money from all the uh, sites to sell it because I can't give everything away for those sites like you know like I said iTunes and uh, Spotify and all that so the portion of that money but when you buy it from me uh, during the Christmas holiday this year I'm giving all the money to Toys for Tots uh, I love that program to run by the U.S. Marines I've been giving money and toys to them for quite some time now so uh, and I'm a big supporter of that um, so, you know, if you want to support that and you want to get yourself a CD, again, go to com, 
and click on Kaleidoscope Christmas, and you know, take you to a page that tells you how to go about doing that. Okay, uh, that that sounds uh, terrific. And you know, Michael, I just wanted you know, thank you for being such a wonderful guest tonight, and you know, great great friend over the year. I really. The new riders really mean so much to me to just be able to talk with you guys. You know, when we get together in Columbus or Pittsburgh or Akron and share share some time, hear about, sit on yeah. the bus, hear Ronnie's stories right. about uh, you know his neighborhood was leveled by Hurricane Sandy. You know, it's just. Right stuff you know we just sit around and talk about and you know and we still uh, now, yeah, leave speaking of Ronnie, after speaking of Ronnie, a, a great I, night of music right yeah speaking of Ronnie, and, i did just speak to him speak to him the other night he's got a new cd also called family business if you're if your people are out there ronnie penkley um bass player for the new rises of the purple sage you could find him on TheNewRiders.com. Uh, he's got a great new CD out called Family Business. You should check it out. Okay, we'll do that. So, I, yeah. I, yeah, th- thank you again, Michael. And you know, uh, I mean, just kind of wrap up the evening, and we'll see sure. everyone next week. Thank you again. Thank you, Barbara, for producing the show. Great. Thanks, everyone, for being there.